You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Context. In the dictionary, it's defined as the interrelated conditions in which something exists or occurs. In sport, I use the concept of context all of the time, and it's very important for a number of reasons. Last weekend, I sat down with a sport leader who I respect very much. He and his group are working on a new online platform where athletes can sign up and go through an evaluation screening process and get feedback and general programming to help them move forward in their sporting endeavors. The program will be interactive. They'll get these numbers and see their testing numbers and the numbers of their peers and even pro players. It'll be incredibly interactive and great fun is how he explained it. Then, on top of all of that, there will be an opportunity to attend live events in their regions, kind of like showcases to get tested and evaluated to further help them along their journey. It'll all be connected and integrated online where athletes can access their portal and get all of this information together with recommendations, drills, and follow-up testing. It all sounds really great. And I know these guys. They're trying to do something positive for sport. Let me ask you. What do you think of this master plan? I kind of feel like there are so many programs like this out there already in every single sport. It is a multi-billion dollar industry. And I think for the most part, they all have good intentions. I think some of them realize they're not as effective as they could be or even want to be, or they're just not effective at all and don't really care because, well, heck, they're making a good buck. What do you think of these programs, the big showcases and the tryout tournaments and, you know, college recruiting, pro recruiting events, some of which have categories for players as young as 10 or 11 years old? What do you think? Do you like them? Do you not like them? Is there a place for them in the sporting landscape in this day and age? Well, that's exactly the question he asked me. What do you think he asked? Well, I said, for starters, we never show our athletes their testing numbers, at least not for them to take away and contemplate. We may sit down with an athlete and show them a critical number or result that we've gotten through testing and explain why it's so important, good or bad. And if we do happen to show an athlete a testing number or testing score, we make sure we sit down with them and give those numbers context, clear context, And this is more important than ever in today's sporting landscape where analytics, testing, and player evaluation is the norm and just gaining momentum out there in the sporting marketplace from grassroots right up to our pros. I then asked him what age of athletes can have access to this new platform. He said, well, we're definitely going to work with our elite and pro guys. Those are typically players 15 older, right up to pro Uh, But also the younger kids, he said, and it's going to be great. Very interactive, as he's mentioned. They can follow their numbers, see their progress, compare themselves to other players, and even compare themselves to pros. So I asked him this question after sitting there for a couple of minutes. I asked him, how are any numbers going to help a 9, 10, or 11-year-old? 
And now he was the one to sit in silence, and I know what he wanted to say. Well, they can see where they're at, they can go through a little training program, and they can see their progress and feel good about themselves. That's what he wanted to say because, well, that's kind of the gist of the program, to evaluate, give an athlete numbers, compare them to peers, and they're, they're superstars and they're heroes in the game, whatever sport they're playing, and go back and train and try to get better. But he didn't say that. And I think he didn't say that because he knows what I'm all about, and I think he knew kind of what was coming. So here's what I said to him. Let me know if you agree with my mindset and my approach and just my thinking here. But this is how I presented it to him. I said, look, here's the thing, and we're pretty serious about it. It's called player context. It's a picture in time of where that athlete is at in relationship to where they've come from and also considering where they're going or want to go in sport. And that's not usually important until they get 15 plus when they decide, hey, this is a sport that I love. This is a sport I want to pursue. Let's see if I can't enter a high performance pathway and see how far I can go. That typically happens around the age of 13, 14 or 15 years of age. How are any of the numbers you're going to provide to these athletes actually going to help them other than causing them stress, anxiety, or misguide their efforts with more focus on the numbers rather than getting better all around at their sport? This has become a serious phenomenon in this showcase world we're living in, and the pro sport combines don't help. We know that athletes leave their sport to enter these training programs that are specifically designed to improve their numbers at a testing combine, whether it be strength, power, speed, whatever the testing might be, athletes enter specific training programs not to become better athletes in their sport, but to get better scores on the combine testing, whether it's a VO2 max, oxygen, a cardiovascular test, or whether it's a power output test on a bike or jump test. It might be strength, it might be speed, it might be a multiple broad jump, for distance, whatever it might be. There's training programs designed specifically to improve those numbers rather than really helping the players. So personally, as much as I like player evaluation and getting data and really significant testing done on athletes to help them move forward, the combine testing to me is a tough one. I just don't think it's very relevant because we've seen athletes who can't do one pull-up become great players in their game. We've seen athletes with brutally slow 40-yard sprints become Hall of Famers in their sport. We've seen the strongest athletes fail. We've seen the weakest athletes or athletes with poor strength scores go on to greatness. The testing numbers themselves can be very, very misleading for the organization, coach, team, and also for the athlete unless it's put into the context of the bigger picture. Take grip strength, for example. Grip strength is a classic test, especially in sport. You get this hand grip dynamometer, this little measuring tool that will evaluate the amount of pressure you can create in a maximum effort, like squeezing action, like making a fist. It's called the grip strength test. It's been around forever, and there's great data and research backing it up. In fact, some of the research that has pointed to the reasoning behind actually doing the grip strength says that people with higher grip strength scores 
typically are sick less often. They're at a lower risk for injury inside sport and in life in general. They recover from injury quicker and they typically live longer. This all sounds great for everybody out there. So let's get out there and start working on our grip strength. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. The grip strength test actually paints a picture of an overall lifestyle, something that's accumulated over the years. Do you spend time outdoors? Are you working with your hands? Are you doing physical activity? These types of things come into play. And these are all things that affect your immune system, your overall health and wellness, and yes, your lifespan. But there's no short-term quick fix here that's going to give you those benefits, like doing strength work to improve your bench press at the NFL Combine doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a better player. So the grip strength taken out of context, you might think that by squeezing a tennis ball all day or doing forearm exercises or fingertip push-ups, which will all help your grip strength, are going to give you those health benefits that are related to that testing. But that's not how it works. So you can see the context is actually quite important here. Anytime you're evaluating a human being in a setting, regardless of whether it's sport or not, you had better make sure you have the big picture in mind, not just the moment in time, but where that person has come from and where they want to go. And unfortunately, a lot of the testing being done out there, even at the highest levels of sport, is absolutely irrelevant. I told him, you have to be very careful when you're evaluating athletes, especially young athletes inside of youth sport. I told him he needed to go back and listen to every single episode of the Crush Talent and Talent ID series. I think there's 13 or 14 shows in the entire series, but if he were to go back and listen to every episode, the context in which they would build their platform, I think might be way more meaningful. No, no. I know it. One of the big things that came out of our Talent and Talent ID series, talking with the world's top experts in the area, was the fact that early evaluation and early talent ID, and I do that with quotation marks, is absolutely detrimental to long-term development of athletes. And trust me, I get it. I get the idea of grouping kids who are at similar skill levels uh, at a certain point in time so they can play together and have a good time on the ice rather than having a player that's not so good playing with great players and getting left in the dust all the time or vice versa, a great player being held back by playing at lower levels. All these things certainly come into play, but not at the risk of a kid just wanting to play sport with their pals. And by the way, it's not bad to be a superstar once in a while. It's not bad for a kid to be a great player amongst his peers. It helps maybe that kid understand leadership roles and whatever might come with it. But with great coaching and parenting, it can also help athletes understand what their role might be in sport. They might not be the fastest player. It doesn't mean they can't be a great player. They might not be the tallest. They might not be the strongest. But I am telling you, listen to me, athletes, parents, coaches, focus on your strengths. At every level of the game, focus on your strengths and build around it. If you're fast, become really fast. If you're strong, be really strong in your sport. If you're agile and have great ice awareness and spatial awareness, use that to your advantage and build around it. But be the best at what you're good at inside of your game. Huge messages that can be taught that go well beyond the borders of sport. 
especially when we have discrepancies in skill levels and talents at the younger ages. It's a great time for players to understand team building and tactics and the fact that you need different types of players to be successful. Everybody can have a role. Not only that, I said, but there's another gigantic curveball that needs to be considered here. You're evaluating rapidly growing, rapidly changing human beings, boys and girls who are entering their rapid growth phase. It's one thing to test and evaluate fully grown men and women in sport. The data actually might be much more relevant there as long as, again, it's put into context. But when you're evaluating youth athletes in sport, I don't know if you can hit that curveball. Because kids, when they're rapidly growing, are a moving target that's almost impossible to hit on the screws. And then you're comparing them to their peers who are also rapidly growing. It's like going out on your boat and looking down into the ocean at a school of fish swimming around and trying to pick out the one that looks best for dinner tonight. Okay, not the greatest analogy, but that's what popped into my mind. So what do you do? Do you try to find the biggest fish? Well, it's almost impossible as they swim around in their school in the water. But let's say you find a big one that you like. Will it actually taste better than one of the smaller fish? Maybe, but maybe not. And then that considered, how are you going to cook it? Are you going to barbecue it? Are you going to roast it with lemon and herbs? Are you going to smother it in beer batter and drop it in the deep fryer? And then what side dish are you going to provide to enhance the flavor? Is it going to be a soup? Is it going to be a salad? Is it going to be french fries? But before any of that can happen, you have to drop your hook into that school of fish swarming around in the water and hope to catch the one that you want. You have better chances of winning the lottery and by a long shot. Yeah, I'll admit it's not the greatest analogy, but I think it kind of paints a really good picture of what testing youth athletes looks like. Out of all of the research and experts we talked to in our Talent and Talent ID series, one of the greatest findings was the downside of Talent ID and early evaluation of athletes in sport. It turns out it's one of the major contributors to the dropout rates we're seeing in youth sport. And not only that, the evidence strongly points out how absolutely horrible we are at predicting future talent development or success in sport. In fact, there's a strong feeling that it probably contributes to lower levels of development than actually enhancing future development. And it's one of the reasons why we see late developers having more success at the higher levels of sport than those kids who are dominant in their youth years. And on top of all that, if you're looking to evaluate a young kid with the hopes of guiding him or her along their developmental timeline, you have to know that the numbers that you get today could be totally irrelevant in as little as a couple of weeks, especially if they're in their rapid growth phase. At this point, he kind of sat there looking at me like, okay, so hold on a second. We just want to test a kid, give him some speed scores, give him some strength scores, let him know how hard he kicks the ball, throws the ball, shoots the puck, whatever it might be and then compare those scores with the best, the worst, the averages, and even the pros in that particular sport at that particular position, it should all be a good thing. He's looking at me like, man, what are you talking about? I knew what was going through his mind, so I just said one of the most important things that is constantly overlooked and undervalued in developmental sport is athlete growth. 
Imagine you have a 14-year-old kid entering his rapid growth phase where his bones are growing, his joints are sore, he's uncoordinated, his muscles can't keep up. The parents have to buy him or her a new wardrobe every four to six months. This is one of the most incredible times in human development, but for athletes, it is one of the most dangerous times in the entire developmental timeline. First, Typically, kids that grow earlier are seen or perceived as being more talented. They might be a little stronger. They might have better angles of approach. They might have better leverage. They might be able to perform better, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be better in the end. The problem is these kids that grow fast early are the ones that probably get used more in their sport, and they're also the ones who ultimately have the most injuries later on in their careers most likely. And when a young athlete's going through this rapid growth phase, we tell the parents they should be protecting their athlete like a mama grizzly or a, or a lion protecting their cubs because this is when they're most susceptible to injury. Just imagine for a second, the long bones in your arms or your legs grow three centimeters or an inch and a half. Can you imagine the amount of muscle your body needs to produce to compensate for that much growth? Not only that, you have to understand that the connective tissue in those joints are under new stresses that they've never experienced before. That connective tissue needs time to adapt. And then the nervous system. Think about how much neural matrix the body has to produce to coordinate all this new muscle with this new leverage, with these new bone lengths, with this new height. Think of the construction of a new high voltage power line that goes from, you know, one state to another or one province to another with all the towers and cables and everything that goes along with transmitting that power from the dam or the power generation plant to the end user. Now times that by millions and millions in terms of infrastructure that needs to be created to coordinate and control all of this new growth. That's what a young athlete in a rapid growth phase is dealing with. And there absolutely could not be a worse time to evaluate an athlete in sport. Look, if we took one of those young athletes who are being evaluated, or even one of your pro athletes for that matter, and stole them away to our training facility for two to three weeks, literally every number you just tested would be irrelevant. When we take an athlete and train them for improved performance, we make changes, meaningful, progressive, long-term focus change that make literally every number you have irrelevant. So if we're going to use those numbers to maybe help steer that training, now we might be on to something. But to use testing data to compare to peers or professionals or players at a higher level in a game, that's a futile effort with very little chance of having a positive outcome, no matter how you spin it. And even if you do provide context, performance analysis continues to rely heavily on these isolated numbers of performance. How strong, how fast, how many reps can they do without providing that context and relationship to the things that really matter, like the individual athlete development and where they are in terms of their developmental timeline or even their participation in a sport. It doesn't consider opposition behavior, which is one of the biggest factors in performance outcomes. It doesn't consider location. Is the training or competition home or is it away or is it in another country? Does a young player have to leave their home to go train and compete somewhere else? 
And athlete testing rarely, if ever, considers the athlete's life outside of sport, which can maybe at times and most times have the largest impact on their ability to develop, perform, learn, and progress in whatever it is they're doing. And there have been some great studies that have been done over the last few years looking at the impact of testing data and athlete development and performance. The overwhelming consensus is that showing the athletes testing data, testing numbers, can detract from actual development and overall sport performance. In sporting organizations where they heavily weight testing data and testing numbers, the athletes tend to get caught up in focusing on improving those numbers rather than becoming a better player in their sport. It can actually steer them away from what it takes to become a better player in their game as they focus on simply getting better numbers in testing. It just doesn't work, especially when that testing isn't framed up with proper context, which is a serious talk between the coaching staff, the performance staff, and the players involved. And if that's not happening, please just don't test or evaluate your players or athletes. Just don't do it. Let them play. Let them have fun. You'll be surprised how good they can actually get. Now, getting back to our programs, here's what we do. And I'm not saying it is the best way to do it. It's just what we do because we have found it to be the most effective way to interact and help our athletes progress in sport, regardless of their age or their level of competition. We rarely, if ever, let our athletes see their testing numbers. We see every single number and data point possible uh, we're very strategic in what we actually test and what we do evaluate. But when we break it all down and put it into context for that particular athlete that we're focusing on, we then give them recommendations based on what the data has shown us. But when we break it all down and put it into context for that particular athlete at that particular time for the data we're actually looking at, and then we bring it all together and wrap it up in a nice little recommendation of what we want the athlete to do based on what the data has shown us. It really, really works. They don't need to see their numbers. They really don't. And they certainly don't need to compare them to other athletes because other athletes might at that point in time be in a totally different place in their training, in their development, or even at their level of competition. There's really no significant benefit to making that comparison. So stop it. Now, we might take a number, a league average or a testing average, and show an athlete where they're currently at in relationship to those averages, but not without the context of here's the plan to get you there and beyond, or the fact that that comparison doesn't really matter because that's not what your game is about. You're this type of player, not that type of player. Again, one of the dangers of just throwing numbers at athletes. And it also amplifies for me the insanity of evaluating youth athletes who are literally going to change potentially overnight. Those numbers are meaningless. I think our main objective should be to work with our young athletes to make sure they're safe from injury or as safe as possible from injury with the long game of getting them through those rough developmental rapid growth years so they can then focus on a sport they love. 
How far can they go? How good can an athlete actually become? We won't know until they go through the process. But the good process, the process where we're protecting them from injury through those crazy, insane, rapid growth and development years, getting them to the other side where they love their sport. And if they decide that they want to enter a high performance pathway, well, then they're set up to do exactly that. And then trust me, if you ever get a chance to work with a mature elite athlete who's gone through a proper developmental system, every little thing you do helps them get better. It is so much fun and so, so rewarding. We do test our pro athletes, but again, we don't really share with them the raw data. We just share with them recommendations and the game plan for helping them get to the next stage of their development. It doesn't matter whether they were just invited onto a national team or got a big scholarship at college or whether they just signed their first pro contract or whether they're a 10-year vet. The process is very, very similar regardless of where they're at in their development. If we need to evaluate an athlete, we follow a very simple process. What are we going to evaluate and why? How are we going to do it? And then what are we going to do with the data? And how are we going to present it to that particular athlete? That's it. Simple, clean, concise, and incredibly meaningful. And for the most part, if they've come through a really good developmental process, everything we do helps them get better right now. In fact, when an athlete enters our training center for a training session, I look them in the eye and say, you realize that when you leave here in 40 minutes or two hours, you're going to be a better athlete. We know we're going to influence them right now, but we also are very, very conscious on how that's going to contribute to future development in the next six months the next year, or in their long-term planning, which may stretch out to four years for some athletes. So I sat across the table from my friend and colleague who had invited me out for a lunch to explain a new project he was working on. As you can probably tell, I'm personally not a big fan of testing and evaluating youth athletes. I think we just need to show them the fundamentals, the bedrock of athlete development so they can progress meaningfully through the system and so we can help them reduce their risk of injury. If we accomplish that and that alone, we've done something really, really good. If you guys can build something that helps athletes and their families do exactly that, well, that's something I'd be excited about. He really didn't have much to say after that, but I could see the wheels were turning. I shared my thoughts and I'm sleeping well at night because I really do believe this is the right way to go based on everything that we know right now. But I'm also very interested to see what direction they take on their new project. Context, it is so important in the world of sport. And as an athlete grows and develops, the context of that environment and their place in the environment changes. And the testing and evaluation of an athlete without the proper context in place first is as likely to have a negative impact as it is to have a positive one. So the context of everything we do in sport has to be well thought out, just like our drills and our exercises, our competitive schedules, and everything that goes into helping athletes and players succeed in sport. Context, it turns out, is one of those critical elements that you need to be aware of if you're creating coachable players. I'm Jeff Kershell. Crush Performance is recorded right here in the Crush Studios. 
Our distribution partner is Radio Influence Digital Media. Website and educational material produced and directed by Debbie Kershell, Miss Crusher. Theme music, graphics, and video design by Noah Alexen at Alexen Visual and Sound. And if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, be sure to reach out to us, info at jeffkershell.com. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance.